Hi. It occurred to me that I did not uh, shut down the other stuff on my phone, so hopefully we get lucky with this. Nobody send Rich any messages either. Yeah. That only You're more popular than I am. Hi. Yeah, well. I feel a little... older. I know more people. That's true. I know like... A lot older. You know a lot of people. Yeah. Would you say you know a thousand people? I don't even know if I can count to a thousand. Well... Oh no, our frame rate's too low. Come Sorry. on, frame rate. Sorry if that's blurry on Facebook. I don't know what to do. Um, I'm a little out of sorts today, I feel like, so this will be interesting. I'm on my first cup of coffee right now. So I've had plenty of that, but uh, still out of sorts. I don't generally drink coffee for such things, but I feel like today I need a little clarity amidst the fog out there. The mental fog and the physical fog of our weather. That's true. You don't usually, usually drink coffee. What are you talking about? Not usually you mean for at clarity. Like 11 I, I drink it because I, I, I drink I drink it at eleven at night sometimes because. Are you one of those I'm people? Sneaking a piece of pie, you know. And sneaking a piece. I drink coffee because I like coffee and I like it with food, and so I like food. I think I've become. It's weird because I like I can drink a cup of coffee or like a can of Pepsi or whatever like at midnight and then go to sleep and have no problem other than I have to get up and go to the bathroom but yeah. like the caffeine doesn't keep me awake and yeah, yet if I don't have caffeine by a certain point in the day I have a horrible headache so it's obviously doing something in my I body I have been through phases like that in my life and the moment that I sense that, that sort of dependency I cut myself off done take a week or two off from coffee because I, I will not be enslaved by anything I am enslaved by coffee <laughs> so, by caffeine it. sorry but well, the fact that you're able to sleep through it is a blessing. Not, however, hey. the the blessing we see in Numbers chapter 6. No, it's not. It's a different blessing entirely. Very much so. so. The lighting is so much different in here than it is in our in our previous studio before our relocation. glasses look like they're shooting lasers at people. Pew, pew. So my son would like that. But we are in... Who wouldn't? I mean, well. you know, shooting lasers from your glasses, that's... That's the do, superhero do to, we all see need. It? I got glasses on, I don't get to shoot lasers. Nerd girl. So. <laughs> I feel like that has been many superheroes. <laughs> and then you take off your glasses and you're just this like extremely attractive. And, like, that's like a 90s teen movie. Yeah, so. She's all that. She took off her glasses and all of a sudden she's, whoa, the prom queen. <laughs> it is astonishing in, in reality that pretty much anybody is attractive when you're done up right. to be attractive, right. right? And when your personality is attractive. When your personality is attractive then it's amazing how the rest just doesn't matter nearly as much. Right. And how quickly it fades. I've tried to explain this to youth group kids for 30 years. You're going to be attracted to people mm-hmm. physically all the time. That, Especially in high school, it's basically just this giant hot box to create things. Gross. That whether or not you would normally be attracted to somebody, right. in proximity is going to do that very often. But the reality is the prettiest person the you know however you want to whatever adjectives you want to use for it the most attractive person in the world if their personality is off-putting that is the ugly that's going to show up real quick afterwards Mm -hmm. so you know that's you can see this not to get into johnny depp amber heard thing but you see this across hollywood and celebrity world that you know they're all beautiful people, right? They're getting paid lots of money to all be beautiful people. And then you find out they're really not that beautiful inside. There's a lot of ugliness that goes on. And these relationships are disasters right. over and over and over again. If it had anything to do with money or physical attractiveness, 
everybody in Hollywood would have fantastic relationships, and yet we know that that's not the reality. So there is something deeper, and, and, and that's why marriage can't be built on being in love or being attracted. Uh, all the things that we tend to base it on, the, the idea of you know the, our common interests and, and all that kind of stuff, it's got to be more. It needs to be a covenant. It needs to be something that, that goes beyond. In fact, that's the very nature of the blessing that we see in number six is that this is a covenant that God makes with his people. And so through the, the book of numbers, we have the picture, so even when we have a low frame rate. Yeah, so much going on here. Yeet. I don't okay. know why that doesn't make any sense, but, <laughs> but we see uh, God's people being unfaithful and, and they're not attractive in themselves to, to carry out a metaphor from the pointless conversation we were having before this. Um, there's uh, there's nothing in Israel that makes God choose them. Right. He chooses them because of his character. And then as he does that, he makes this covenant with them. And he keeps his covenant even when they fail to keep the covenant, even when they are unfaithful and, and grumbling and complaining and all these things. And we're going to see that as we go forward. And so here in number six, he commands the the Aaronic priests to speak this blessing. It's a, it's a prayer. Uh, it's a declarative prayer, I suppose you could say. Uh, I don't think that's a thing. I just made that up. But, I, it, but as they are declaring this subjunctive thing, may the Lord do this, mm-hmm. right? I just put right into the camera. Uh, so, we need graphics. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. <laughs> Get a little 3D. I did sound like Batman. Nicely played, but 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 this this covenant that God places on them, uh, and and the prayer and the blessing, it, it's a reflection of that together. So He's saying to them, "This is how you're to bless the people," and we'll read that in just a moment. And, and what He's telling them to say in this prayer to declare over the people of God of God as they're uh, they're doing their thing, He. He tells Aaron and his sons, say this. And all the things that he says are already part of the covenant that God has promised to Israel. Based on his character, not theirs. They do everything they can to violate the covenant. From Jump Street, we're going to see that in a, in a few chapters here, when they finally get on the road, and it's like as soon as their feet hit the pavement, so to speak, they're already complaining. You know, like, oh, man, this is so hard, you know, and God, you know, has his fire of wrath around the camp, around the outskirts of it. And then Moses prays and they come back from that. God God uh, um, takes the fire and, and uh, they move on. Two minutes later, they're already complaining again. Well, oh, a stupid manna. All we have is manna. I want to give you some meat to chew on and, you know, you're going to have it coming out your nostrils. And so they get sick of the of the quail. So it's a constant cycle of unfaithfulness and ungratefulness, which reminds me a lot, unfortunately, of me. Mm-hmm. You know that this this constant tendency to wander from the one that I love, to to to, to drift away, and God blesses and. and just feel overwhelmed with his blessing, right? If you ever come away from a church service or a, you know, like a Thanksgiving 
prayer time, uh, you know, Christmas service, uh, you know, hopefully every every Sunday when you when you share communion together, and it's just overwhelming to think about the goodness of God and, and how great and and mighty and yet merciful and gracious He is and how faithful we did great is Thy faithfulness three times this week mm-hmm. from the baccalaureate to the funeral to to the church service and. Each time, you know, I'm just like in tears over how great God is. And it takes absolutely zero time for me to forget that and begin to get caught up in the daily stuff of of this temporal life. Uh, So when we look at what Israel does here, the idea of pointing our fingers at them and saying, oh, those, those stupid people, why would they do this kind of stuff? It's a mirror. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, what we're, what we're sure. looking at in the Scripture is a mirror that is showing us our own tendencies. Every single one of us falls short of the glory of God. Every single one of us has earned the wages of sin, which is death and separation from God. And every single one of us is offered the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So when we see this blessing in number 6, uh, it, it's... I think I said Sunday, this might be the shortest passage I've ever preached in a, in a Sunday morning sermon. Um, but I could probably spend three weeks on this without any trouble because there's so much content in the covenant nature of God that he longs to bless his people. And so what he's telling the priests to, to say is to declare over the people the blessing of God, to pray, as it were, this, this blessing. Lord, please do these things. May the Lord do this for you and to you and upon you. And, and as they do, what they're praying is already aligned with God's will. That's the nature of when Jesus said, anytime you pray in my name, you're praying on my behalf. You're, you're doing this in accordance with the will of God. So if you are praying what God wants then you're going to find that God delivers. Right. Uh, Psalm 37, 4 uh, What's the the wording is now escaping me. Now it's it's in my head and it's just escaped me. That if we uh, delight ourselves in the Lord, He'll give us the desires of our heart. Well, if I delight myself in the Lord, what is the desire of my heart going to be? The Lord's will. Right. So that's it, it. Sounds almost like a circular logic, and it kind of is in a way. But what I'm doing is I'm changing what I choose to value and delight in from what seemed good before to what actually is in reality good. And God blesses. And so, anyway, I'll, I'll read this and then we can see whatever thoughts or questions or brilliant things you have from, from oh, this. Yeah. So, uh, this is from Numbers 6, verses 22 to 27. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. And uh, for anybody who was not sure, that was from uh, Heaven's Preferred Translation, the 1984 edition of the NIV. Not the current NIV, which I am increasingly disgruntled with. So, Can I ask you a question? Yes, just, please. This is, maybe this is too personal, because I'm just sneaking glances at your Bible, and you have that, that particular passage all scribbled up. Mm-hmm. So what's, what's that about? <laughs> like, what are you... I, I see parentheses around the word you a lot. Or is that just me not being able to read? Yeah, and this, um, it, it's fun as I, this is 
a Bible that I use for personal things as right. well. And uh, it's the one that I use mostly, at least for my beginning in, in study time. And then I'll use a variety of others, mm -hmm. different translations and different uh, study Bibles. Because one of the things about a study Bible or a commentary is, you know, the commentary and, and notes are not part of God's infallible and errant word. But what they are instead is uh, the information and research that others have done about it. And so every time I'll, you know, look at somebody else's notes, they'll focus on something different. Like John mm -hmm. MacArthur will see sure, one yeah. particular thing, and not that he doesn't see the others, but this stands out to him, so he includes it in his notes. Uh, Matthew Henry, the great Puritan commentator, will uh, see it a different way. I'll go to a J, J. Vernon McGee, which is more of a pastoral commentary, uh, less of a... Um, uh, less of a technical commentary and more of a of a pastoral commentary as he did his walk through the Bible, and uh, and so sometimes you know there'll be in these commentaries will be like ah okay that wasn't really helpful oh but this was really helpful so we can kind of pick and choose but the uh, the things that that I do in this it's kind of fun because I'll come across things that um, you know I may have marked up or written notes in. 30 years ago, mm -hmm. you know, and so that's kind of, kind of a cool thing. Um, in my mom's Bible, I can't even read the words <laughs> anymore because she's got, I mean, like she's never not marking up her Bible in her personal devotional time. So, uh, I'm like, I, I borrowed her Bible once for a Bible study when I didn't have mine with me for whatever reason. And, uh, <laughs> I'm like, mom, I'm getting dizzy. I can't even, I can't even read this. But, uh, so in this particular passage, um, I, I put parentheses around the, the subject and, uh, and the object here. So we see the Lord, uh, which in, in the three instances here in 24, 25, 26, um, in each case, it's Yahweh. It's the, the proper name for God, his personal name. Um, put uh, parentheses around you as the object here uh, so that as God is blessing, it's to you, mm -hmm. right? And while this is being spoken of the group, the body of the Israelites, uh, in the Hebrew, which is not here in my Bible, I had to go to a, I actually used the Zodiatis Key Study Bible for that <clears throat> because I don't have a background in Hebrew. Mm -hmm. I just have to use all the tools that I can get. So I have an interlinear uh, study Bible that has the Hebrew and the, gotcha. uh, it's a Hebrew and Greek, but which makes the print very tiny. Um, so it has the Hebrew and the English like right above sure. each other so you can see it. Um, that's useful for me. Um, and then particularly when I <laughs> use the transliterated parts in, in dictionaries because I don't read Hebrew. I, I, right. you know, that's a skill that I would Same. like to have and don't have. And uh, at some point, I'll take the time to go back and, and pick that up. But I, I had to forego that to, uh, for various reasons. Anyhow, uh, so then when you see this in the Hebrew, uh, each of these U's is singular even though he's talking to the group, to the collective. And so there's, there's a significance to that. Right. You know, I'm talking to the body, but I'm also talking to each individual. So as they're speaking this over the Israelites as a whole, you're speaking to each, each individual, individual Israelite. May the Lord do these things in your life. Uh, and then just underlining the verbs. Uh, I remember years ago, I was probably, I'm going to guess middle school, and I heard Chuck Swindoll say, well, if you want to find the meaning of a, of a passage, find the verbs. Focus mm -hmm. on the verbs, because when you see what the action is that's taking place, that's going to go a long way toward telling you what this passage is about. So that I, stuck with me. I just think that's interesting to see, you know, like you said, kind of a small passage to see it 
broken down and dissected like that because I feel like I've heard this passage before. I think most sure. people have. Yeah. There have been other iterations of like for immediately when I hear it, I'm reminded of like the Irish blessing, which is slightly different, but kind of the same idea. Sure. And you know, different ways people want to phrase it. So I think in these instances when there are verses or stories or whatever that people know really well, I think being able to dissect them and break down not only where they're from, but what they really mean and who they're directed toward is yeah. important. So that's why I was interested in that. I'm sorry if well, I and called I, out I think your a lot of folks, taking No, I, I think a lot of folks who um, may or may not have a deep and meaningful personal relationship with Christ, but have been in church for a long time, are familiar with the words of this blessing. Right. Because for a lot of churches, it is the standard benediction that is given. In mm-hmm. fact, a uh, um, pastor during my high school days, well, you knew his sons, Dave Moorhead, and mm-hmm. you, I think mm-hmm. you knew Caleb at mm-hmm. least. Mm-hmm. Um, I just was communicating with him uh, Sunday afternoon or, or Monday. Uh, and this, I, I, I remember him doing this. He pointed it out too, but I, but I remember him doing this. This is his standard benediction. When, when he finishes a service, this is how he dismisses is by reciting this benediction over the people. Uh, and I don't do that. I, I don't know if anybody has noticed, but I have been doing that during the book of Numbers leading up to this, and we'll continue as we go through it. Um, that probably won't be my standard practice forever, but it will be during the book of Numbers because of the obvious uh, mm-hmm. connection here. So what I think we often miss out on, and this is really the point of, it's really the point of preaching. If I be so bold as to say it's the point you know like i have any real wisdom um just as it's the point of this podcast to connect the reality of god to the realities of life and so for us to really grasp what these blessings are we need to look at what does the passage actually mean what does it mean from its author to their intended audience which is not us right uh god in his grace gives it to us and so by extension these things come to us. But Moses wasn't thinking about people listening to the Something Real podcast in 2022. Um, What he was doing was speaking to a people, uh, a Semitic people gathered at the foot of Mount Sinai, having, uh, you know, just recently uh, created a golden calf to to Mm -hmm. worship while God was giving them the Ten Commandments, who um, were delivered from bondage in Egypt, to have seen God move in very powerful and unusual ways and are about to be brought into this land of promise by God's covenant. And in the process of this, along the way, God gives them great wealth from the Egyptians without them doing anything. And right. I don't know if you remember when they left Egypt, uh, God put it in the, in the heart of the Egyptians in whatever way uh, for them to just hand over their stuff to to the Hebrews. So the Hebrews are walking out pillaging this place right. just by holding out their hands and saying, thank you, right. and, and you walk on. So it's really easy when things are going well for us to mm. lose sight of God and focus in on the blessings. When we're having success, we win a war, look how great we are, you know, let's make America great again, you know. Uh, and and we think it's about us. We When we're wealthy, we think it's about us. When we, we're sufficient... This is why Jesus said it's so hard for a rich person to get into heaven because I don't feel that dependence, right? Uh, And then when things are going hard, we also have a tendency to forget that God is with us. And we 
we think it's about us. You know, oh my goodness, I don't feel right. I don't feel peace. I don't feel happiness. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, and so this blessing, that, that last line in verse 27, really is the point of the blessing. In this way, the priest will put my name on the Israelites. Now, what does that mean? He already has said they're mine. Mm-hmm. Now, as every time they do this, they are, are, are reiterating. They're reminding the people. They're not reminding God. He hasn't forgotten. But they're reminding themselves. They're reminding their people. They're centering and grounding everything that they do in this, that God is the blesser, keeper, right. gracious one. It is the face of God upon you and toward you that is what brings about your peace, that your shalom. And so uh, <clears throat> I wanted to develop uh, the shalom concept a little more yesterday, ran out, or Sunday, but ran out of time. Uh, but the idea here is it's the Lord, Yahweh, 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 three times in this, in this these parallel couplets that we see here. It's Yahweh, do this. Yahweh, do this. Mm. Yahweh, do this. So that they might never forget it's not a God. It's not some God. It is the one true living God, the I am, right. who is actively, presently involved with his people. And he is doing all these verbs, right? And he's doing it to the collective people and also individually to his people, which not only reminds us that from the beginning, God has always dealt with his people, both individually and collectively, but it also reminds us that the collective is made up of the individuals. And so when we look at what Paul says in Romans, that not everybody from Israel is Israel, right? Right. You're not all of Abraham's seed because there are those who were from Abraham's genetic line who are not part of Abraham's covenant line. So the we by faith, even though you know I, well I probably do, but you probably don't because you're Mexican and Polish, right? <clears throat> but uh, I mean it's true, but it's funny. <laughs> um, and because I have a strange, unusual German name, it's entirely possible with my very uh, strong guilt-inducing mother that I have a Jewish background. So that's just a little. Despite the look of my nose, I am not Jewish. A little that humor was just me for, passing you know. out. If you're offended by that, please email Stacy. Um, <clears throat> anyhow, <laughs> as we are, no me gusta. What, what, what were we talking about here? I don't know. So there's something important tacos. before I said something silly. Um, in, in, in that way, aren't we all Mexican? Because who doesn't love a taco? Right? So, <laughs> no, we're not. So, that's oh. gonna—that's what's gonna offend people. <laughs> aren't we all Mexican? Really, when it comes down. And to on it. that note, we should sip the coffee. Oh golly! So there was a reason that this came up, and I don't remember what, what it was. Oh, because <laughs> oh. by faith we are all Abraham's seed in Christ. Sure. By uh, lineage, by ethnicity that Abrahamic connection is of little consequence if we do not embrace the promise. Mm. So those who are of Isaac were the children of the promise. Those who were of Ishmael were the child of the, the slave woman. So now as we're as we're looking at this for ourselves, these blessings that God speaks are for those who belong to him. That's the, the emphasis of this you, that Yahweh is doing this for you. You have his name on you. You have the covenant of God upon you. You are part of this. You are, you are uh, 
forever inseparably connected to the God who has made this covenant and who cannot, he cannot fail. He cannot break the covenant because that's who he is. Are there things that God cannot do? Yes, God cannot not be God. God cannot do things that are contrary to his character. And violating his covenant is contrary to who he is. Therefore, when you are praying for God to bless you, to keep you, to make his face shine upon you, to be gracious unto you, to turn his face toward you, which is a, a this is, we're, we're talking about covenant here. It's not just the glory of God and his face shining on you, but he is actually intimately looking into you, looking into your eyes, if you will, as he turns his face toward you. This is covenant language that we're seeing. The, this happens for those who belong to God. If you are outside of faith in Jesus Christ, then you can pray this prayer all day long, but it's not for you. This is part of what God has for his people. And so, you know, someone is probably thinking, well, how how can you say this is about faith in Jesus Christ? Jesus hasn't been on the earth yet. These are God's people in the Old Testament. Yes, and as we see clarified for us in the New Testament, all of them, Hebrews 11 gives this, this picture very clearly, All of these believers, those who were faithful followers of Yahweh, were looking forward to the promise that they did not yet receive. Their faith in him was a forward-facing faith toward Christ while they did not understand yet. So the the mystery of the gospel is concealed here in the Old Testament. It's revealed to us in the New Testament. We get to see the completion of what they saw the beginning of. Which is also why you cannot be a New Testament Christian and unhitch mm-hmm. from the Old Testament. I don't know how many times we have to hear this. It's not new, by the way. You know, uh, I talked about it recently um, as if it were new. And Andy Stanley takes a lot of heat for this, and, and rightly so. Uh, as a former Andy Stanley listener and supporter, uh, anytime anybody of any stripe says, we don't need the Old Testament, you can immediately put them in the in the column of error because we cannot have the New Testament apart from the Old Testament. And we cannot understand the New Testament apart from the Old Testament. There's a reason that I'm preaching the book of Numbers. Right. Not just because I need something to fill time. I haven't gotten through all of the New Testament yet. I've been doing this 18 years. i got a lot more books to go through, but we're going to be spending a, a, a lot of time in the Old Testament and a lot of time in the New Testament. Because we can't have one without the other. Right. And, you know, I, I reference this a lot, where Ravi Zacharias, I think, failed in his answer to Ben Shapiro about what does this add to the Old Testament that I believe. It doesn't. It completes it. It, it unveils what was hidden before. It's, it's there. Every part of it is there. It's the same God telling the same story of the same grace to the same people. And the, even the... The uh, bringing in of the Gentiles is all through the Old Testament. You can't miss it. You can't go a handful of chapters without tripping over it. It's all over the place. Like I said, with that one... Uh, <clears throat> if we were in the South, I'd say you couldn't swing a dead cat without hitting it. But that's... Well, know, we're not. We're not. Uh, like that... And I would never say something <laughs> like that. That Bible reading program I was, I was doing, it went back and forth between the Old Testament and the New Testament, that you had to read certain things every day that 
showed how it was connected. Like this happened, so this could happen, or right. this means this, and that was really beneficial to me because I didn't. I was one of those people. Who was like, I even texted you a few times. Like, why do we need to know this? Right. <laughs> but it 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 is all connected, which makes it all the more fascinating because there's no. It's a it's a clear path, you know. Right. There are no random things in right. scripture. That's you know, the, the word I was looking for. The, random. The, the Lord. Knows what he's doing. He does it on purpose. He doesn't do things accidentally or randomly or without purpose. So, um, as we understand this little, you know, handful of verses at the end of chapter six, it's the culmination of everything we've seen so far. That God has chosen a people for Himself. He's made a covenant with them to say, "I am your God. You are my people, and and you will be blessed." As long as you follow me and keep my commands. If you don't, then the curses that apply to those who are outside of this covenant are going to apply to you. Because you've chosen not to be a part of this covenant. But I will still keep my covenant with my people. And so we see even in, in all of Israel's sin, even with the sin of the human race, right, from, from the, from the get-go. This is God's plan for the entire human race. But the entire human race rejects God. Mm. That's, that's our nature. That's where we are ever since Genesis 3. So then by Genesis 12, God says, I'm going to keep my, my covenant, which is, uh, some would say it's part of the Adamic covenant. Some would say it's unspoken. Either way, the, the purpose for which God created humanity to glorify him and enjoy him forever. That is not new. That's always been the case, stated that way in, in confessions. But the, the reality of that didn't begin with Abram. But it's been playing out. People have sure, rejected. Right. He calls Abram out in Genesis 12, and now he calls out a people for himself. That doesn't go well all the time, and he continues his faithfulness. And he he does kind of, uh, you know, trim the tree, so to speak, mm-hmm. as it grows, and people are unfaithful, and they get trimmed off, and, right. and so on. And the Gentiles are grafted into this tree, and, and uh, we see the the culmination of it, the fullness of Christ on the cross, then raised to to life so that all of us could have what was offered in the beginning before there was an Israel. Uh, And and the the beauty of this is that God is always faithful. He never changes. We change. We're unfaithful. We blow it constantly, but he doesn't. And, And it's always there. And he does bless us. And in this blessing, he protects and preserves us. He knows his, his people and those who belong to him cannot be taken from his hand. So he keeps us and he preserves us. I don't have to worry about the strength of my faith. I have a God who is stronger than my failings, who's able to keep me. Uh, <clears throat> he, uh, he is able to make his face shine upon us by being gracious to us. So as his glory shines on us and gives us life and illumination, what we are actually seeing is his grace, his glorious grace, which is worthy of praise. And he also turns his face toward us. He chooses to have a personal relationship with us, not just God who reveals himself, but God who reveals himself personally to those who are his own. And in so doing, in turning his face toward us, he gives us peace. He's reconciled us to himself in Christ. And now we can be part of this covenant that happens all these thousands of years ago as God has spoken that of his people, grafted us into his people, and never lets us out of his hand. 
And I think the individuality of that is a big deal because it's it's easy to see that, like we said, as a group sort of thing. And, and it's see, both because right, we have right. a tendency with the pendulum, don't we, right, to to sure. see and you know, depending on your on your church background, like if you grew up. Uh, in the Catholic Church in particular, Lutheran Church, there are a number of churches who emphasize the collective, mm-hmm. right? So that's why we baptize as infants in those cir- circumstances because it brings you into the covenant and so on and so forth. I don't mean to conflate doctrines, but the general principle is we do this with babies because we're bringing them into this covenant people. Right. Uh, and that's an emphasis on the collective. But we, uh, uh, from a more Baptistic perspective, uh, bent, so to speak, as we understand it, we see the individualism of it, that we baptize believers who have chosen to to give themselves or to receive Christ by faith, uh, so that in this believing, we have actually entered into a new covenant with him in, right. in, in Christ. And so there is, I, this is my personal take, we all know I believe in believer's baptism, um, but the... Uh, I think the beauty of the various denominations and the gray areas of doctrine, baptism being one of them, there are things that it clearly represents and how it is applied has been debated throughout church history. I think there's a beauty in that Mm. because it's kind of God again saying it's the both and. Mm. It's the covenant of the collective, but also the covenant of the individual. And just like in this blessing, there's the individual relationship. And that, I think, you know, I think it's good. I don't, I didn't know that until studying this, sure, you know, just reading either. it. I, you know, I'm... in English, it's just you, right? right? You or y'all, it's the same. It's just the same you. But he's speaking to the y'all and he's using the language of the you. Right. So it's, it's both. And too often, I That's think cool. in our day, we, we downplay the role of the church at yeah. large, the, the body life, the membership and so on. Uh, but in in many pockets and in previous generations, maybe we emphasize the body life more than the individual relationship mm-hmm. with Christ. Yep. And so we have to get that, that balance. We'll stop there because I've already let us go over time. I'm slacking. You're not quite as tight as the automatic thing on Anchor. <laughs> I'm not. Human error. Uh, so we will stop there. But as always, if you guys have any questions or comments, feel free to email us at somethingreallyreallyfunline.org. You can leave us a message, a voicemail using the Anchor app or calling the church at 269-756-RLCC. Or you can leave a message on Facebook or YouTube. And we will continue in numbers next week and hopefully not have low frame rates. Yeah, it seems to be a struggle. The struggle is real. Happy fall. That's what it is today. So we will catch you guys later. Bye.